Greetings and welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm Lowell Applebaum, CEO of Vistacova, partnering with organizations on strategy and facilitation. And it is my pleasure to have with me today, Mark Sedgley, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Personify, the market leading provider of technology solutions for associations and nonprofit organizations. Most recently, Mark served as the president and CEO of MemberClicks, where he drove the company from under 200 clients to 3,500 and significantly retooled its product portfolio to be a market leader in the space. He has more than 20 years of experience leading sales, marketing, personnel, and operations at the regional corporate level, in both startups and Fortune 15 companies. As you might have seen on our Facebook post, uh, Facebook post earlier, Mark graduated from Wake Forest University. He has a dual degree in literature and East Asian studies, which he admittedly hasn't done much with since, but there's always tomorrow. Mark, we're so happy to have you with us. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate it. You haven't brought any of that East Asian philosophy into the business approach that you've taken? Maybe the art of war. I don't know. Like if I like really dug in and like thought back on the stuff that I read, um, that would maybe be the one that I've leaned into the most. So, I like it. Well, we... Uh, we like to start with a similar question with everyone we speak to on Rockstars, because if you're here, then it's because you are an inspirational leader to many others, and that comes with being really good at some stuff. And so we'd like to try to figure out what that is. So if you were, if I was to ask you, what is a superpower that you have? What's one skill that's helped you to shine in your journey? What do you think it is? Uh, you know, it's probably gonna be an odd one, but compartmentalization. Uh, I'm incredibly good at compartmentalizing things. Um, so I, when bad stuff happens, I don't let it rock me. When good stuff happens, I don't let it overrelate me. Um, you know, feedback I take well uh, because I'm able to compartmentalize it into the place where it's supposed to go versus letting it kind of bubble over into the emotions and taking a personal uh, area. So I would say compartmentalization. Well, I'm pretty good at that. Clearly, that's served you well as you've you know, grown the business exponentially. Uh, so you think about nonprofits who want to grow their business as well. Do you think they compartmentalize well? Like, what is what is the lesson learned there within a, a nonprofit space? I think I think it's probably more specific to individual leadership versus like nonprofits holistically. I think holistically, the reason why nonprofits are so successful when they're successful is because they don't compartmentalize. Um, you know, they actually have big hearts and let things in and, and allow them, you know, their passions to create process and functions and advocacy and volunteerism and you know that type of stuff, but. So the nonprofits themselves, you want to kind of let them organically evolve as the leader of that organization, though, individually, you probably have to be pretty good at compartmentalizing, you know, whether a membership program is working or whether or not an event, you know, kind of trick that you tried uh, really, you know, deadpanned or didn't, you know. So I think uh, those two juxtapositions are probably interesting to think about, but I think compartmentalization, you know, is more of an individualistic thing versus a, a organizational thing. I mean, the, of course, member clicks now part of personify works literally with thousands of organizations. Yeah, I mean, the ones that you see that are shining, right? What, what are the, some of the similar traits or qualities that you think are some of the secrets to success of those that are thriving, especially in such a 
moment of disruption? I, you know, I thought a lot about this. So um, obviously COVID-19 has taught us a lot of lessons. Um, you know, I, some of those lessons have been painful, but I think all of them have been valuable. Um, and so you're either a victim of your circumstance or a captain of your destiny. And, you know, I think associations, one of the things that they've learned is like, if you are singularly focused on one thing and doing one thing well, you probably got hurt, you know, versus having a diversified approach to engagement with your membership. Um, and I'm speaking specifically to associations now, not just nonprofits like charities and foundations, et cetera. They, they're a little different, right? Um, the associations that probably did well during COVID-19 uh, probably had several mechanisms for engagement, had diversified their strategy for equipping and empowering their members. And when one channel went down, they leaned in on all the others, right? And so uh, I think folks probably realize now how important technology infrastructure is uh, to a cohesive business. Uh, and they also probably realize how important it is to be able to engage with their members on multiple levels and channels uh, versus a singular channel. And one thing that's always impressed me about uh, your leadership in particular at MemberClicks is the, the culture that you are able to not just grow, but I literally own shirts with your culture written on it that mm -hmm. I got at like one of your conferences, right? And like unabashed, like this is who we are. Uh, how is that part of your philosophy and how has it worked in, at least in the past, if not the present to you know, drive success? You know, when I took over member clicks, the first thing I said was we need a culture deck. And the reason why I said it was, you know, I'm not the brightest bulb, you know, in the box, but uh, there's other companies that I really admired that had a culture deck. And when I read their culture deck, I was like, this is why I like their company, right? And so I wanted customers to be able to understand why they like our company first. Yeah. And then secondarily, I wanted for our employees to know why they loved our company and to be able to articulate that to their friends. Uh, so that hiring was a lot easier um, and that we were able to recruit really well because the key to success in any business, association, nonprofit, for-profit, government is people. Right. Um, and so if you can attract good people, you're, you're pretty much going to be successful. There's very few stories, um, especially business stories out there. It's like, oh, we had all the best people and it just failed. You know, like sometimes that's true, but right. very small percentile, right? And so I really wanted the customers to know why they liked our business or why they didn't, just as importantly. Yeah. Um, and the same thing for our, the clickers, right? Like I wanted them to be able to articulate in a very succinct way, like this is why I like the business. And so our values, which drove our culture, most people get it the opposite way. Most people think that cult, you know, culture dictates values. It's actually the values. When people talked about the MemberClicks culture, they didn't talk about lunch, you know, being catered in, and, you know, game, board game Fridays, whatever, right? Uh, flat screens and segways and, you know, beer taps. They talked about our values. And so when you wore those shirts, those shirts had our values all over them every single time. And so uh, to me, that, that was the reason why I did it. What role did you play in terms of those values, in terms of their authorship, their embodiment? I mean, as as a leader, as the leader uh, of the company, how did you help create them or help make sure they were lived? There was like 13 values when we started. I, author, I authored all of them. Um, and I'm not saying that in a moment of pride. I'm just saying like, that's how I started, you know? And so 
a lot of times within an organization, the 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 person, the the starter, the leader, kind of dictates the culture, anyways, right? So uh, so you either have you always have a culture. It's either stated and people know what it is, or it's not, right? So it's intentional or it's not intentional. It just takes on the personality of the people in charge. Um, so when I started writing the values, I, they were my values. You know, yeah. work hard. You know, as a value of mine, like I want customer service was like super important to me. Like I, I, I wanted to create a business when people thought about the business, they were like, that's the service there is second to none. Uh, I took everything that I did personally, like in a good way, not a negative way. You know, I was, uh, I had been forgiven so many times in my career when I messed up that I needed to create a culture of forgiveness to create autonomy and creativity and all that. So like they started off as my values. And then, and then as my leadership team started to grow, we started to workshop them down to the seven values that we ended up with. And, and they changed, like, I think my original, uh, my original value was work hard or else. And so they're like, hey, maybe we should soften that a little bit. Uh, and so it changed into work hard, play hard as an example. So that was an example yeah. where the folks of member clicks organically tweaked the value. I mean, as you look at your own journey, getting two member clicks and being the one that can sort of voice and author it, what, what about your own sort of journey of learning and leadership brought you to a place that you had such a clear articulation of what values you held to be important? I don't know, like, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that's part like social norms and mores, childhood, sports, you know, elbow grease, failure, yeah. you know, like I think, it's, I think it's probably just a hodgepodge of things that kind of formed it in my mind. The first, the first thing you have to do though, the trick like big secret, here's the big reveal for how you do that is write it down, start writing it down. You know, I don't know if things are important to you, put it down on paper and then share it with other people that are important to you and then see what they think. And yeah. uh, most people just kind of skip that step of like, hey, when something's important to you, write it down. Why is it important? What about it is important to you? Like if you could pinpoint a time in your career where it served you well, like talk about that. And then all of a sudden, when you start doing that, it's like, oh, well, but this is also super important to me. And then like, this is important. To me. And, you know, most people just don't want to go through the exercise of the painful process of like writing, you know, people are intimidated by writing. Yeah. You know, the, the second part you have after writing it down, you just talked about was the idea of like sharing it, right. And in your own leadership journey, what have what has been for you indicators of the people you want to share those things with? Like how, how have you found either the leaders that like partner with you, inspire you, you can learn from like along your own journey that you want to share what you're writing down? I didn't have a lot of mentors. I was really bad at that candidly. Like it's an area where I'm probably starting to excel more now. Uh, maybe just by necessity, necess you know, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. And so now I've got a CEO as an example. And so I ask him a lot of questions. Um, Along the way though, I did read a ton, Lowell, and I didn't seek out like leadership mentorship. I sought out like uh, uh, curious, curious people who asked a lot of questions such as yourself. Uh, and then I liked surrounding myself with people that I worked with that asked a lot of questions. I had a lot of deep respect for the people that I work with. Like I'm very loyal. Um, you know, I've, I've been a member clicks for 16 years. I've been with my wife for 25, <laughs> but like, I'm just kind of a creature of loyalty, but I also, um, am pretty adamant of surrounding myself with people who challenge me and like push me. And, and if you don't, and if you don't bring the same level of energy that I do, then I'm, I'm pretty systematic in rooting you out, you know, of my teams. Uh, so I think I probably just got it through, uh, 
360 pure kind of curiosity seek seeking. Yeah. Um, for example, I, I did a user's manual for Mark. You know, like I, I was like, hey, you know, people are complex and in order for people to work well with you, they better know how to like operate you. Uh, and so I got this idea from Adam Grant, I think, and I was listening to a podcast. And so write down a user's manual. User's manual is what are Mark's strengths, what triggers them, what are Mark's weaknesses, what triggers them. Uh, you know, what, what is Mark's blind spots? What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first started with, you know, working with Mark that you know now, right? And then you give it to the people that closest to you that you work with and they fill out those questions. Let me tell you, the responses that you get are pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just always enjoy that, though. I always enjoy what people see and don't see and, you know, hear and don't hear. And um, I don't, I, I, maybe this is like a really negative trait of mine. One of the biggest lessons I learned was like a servant leadership. Like, and through servant leadership, um, you know, I learned that uh, everybody's just as important as everybody else, right? Uh, there's a great book by Simon Sinek, it's like Leaders eat last right yep yeah yep and so uh through that i just started realizing like you know just because you're a ceo of something or a leader of something doesn't necessarily mean you were great you could have been the right place right time elbow grease you know timing etc so i just started to like look for value in everybody in terms of feedback versus like seeking out specific mentorship from other leaders as an example i love there's so many different things in there but uh the concept of having a user's manual, but having a user's manual not authored by you, right? It's like, you don't necessarily know your best OS, like those who work with you are able to tell that to you better. Right. It's an inter interesting concept and approach. You know, the, I'm wondering with all the work you've done with associations, if you've seen any specifics in terms of leaders that succeed in association space and leaders that succeed without the association space, are there any gaps there, any juxtapositions between the two? So I, I tend to focus on the successes versus the failures. I think pragma pragmatic decision, what I call decisionists, people who are just totally cap comfortable and capable of making a decision and going forward and moving forward, um, I, I think are the most successful people in the association industry. When I've seen people fail it's when inertia steps in it's a you know trial you know uh leadership by committee uh type of approach uh I, the reason why i say pragmatic decisionist is because a pragmatic person typically seeks a lot of input you know meditates on kind of their go forward strategy and then once they may make that choice they just go right as you think about what's changed if i mean Clearly, we're in a, a little bit of a different space now uh, than we were a little while ago. Someone was coming to you saying, I'm looking to like grow as a leader uh, in my career in the coming years. What do you think has shifted in the landscape that should be a different approach they should take based on the world today? That's a good question. Um, I never like to make like premonitions and moments of like trial and crises. Right. So I've listened to a lot of people like postulize about like the end of this and the beginning of that and, uh, you know, forever changed. And I've heard that before several times in moments of, you know, uh, trial and tribulation. And um, people are really, really strongly motivated by habit mm. and uh, what's comfortable to them. 
and behavior gets driven by lots of things in society. So I don't know that I would be willing to say like, hey, this is fundamentally changed now. So you've got to change your leadership style and the way you engage work and, you know, your mission and all that stuff. I think what it tells you is, is like being adaptive is probably super important, you know, regardless of if it's a black swan pandemic event or if it's a board crises or a treasury issue or whatever it may be, right? Like, um, because this will change, you know, uh, I've heard people say it's the end of, you know, people working in offices and travel will never be the same. And, and I'm just like, oh, you know what? I, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. Um, I just don't think that's true. I just think people are too driven by certain behaviors and societal norms and mores that it will go back. Um, yeah. You know, and it'll be different, maybe. But the things that made people successful before are going to be the same things that made them successful today. You might have to tweak your communication style. So I've become a much heavier writer in my communication Hmm. uh, versus depending so much on my, you know, incredible good looks and charm uh, in person. But the the written word has, for me, been like a a really strong sword uh, over the last year because the moment the pandemic hit, I started writing a captain's log every single day to the company. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to last 11 months. Uh, so that got kind of burdensome. So, you know, after month like seven, it went from every day to every other day, then like once a week. Uh, right. But yeah, I think maybe your communication, but again, diversifying your skill set and being adaptive is true in, no, in, in whatever environment. Right? You know, the, there's one thing you said that sort of uh, is a different path for me. You said as the things come back or people go back, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure I'm set in the belief that even if there are previous practices that resurface, resurface that it's going to feel like going back based off of the environment, cultural norms, what, what it looks like, what it feels like. Yeah. You know, I think I think a good example of that is, is like travel after 9-11 like when you first started traveling after 9-11 like going through the machines and getting you know your bags checked and all that stuff felt like this is awful it's atrocious I don't like it feels so foreign to me but now it's just like you don't even think about it right you're still traveling it's just travel's different right um I think you're right like the framework might change but the actual action won't yeah well the on rock stars, we do like to have a look at the long-term and not just the short-term as well. And so uh, as we wrap up a conversation, you know, you've had a number of steps on the journey. Uh, the recent uh, member clicks coming over to Personify being the most recent in public of that when we're speaking. Uh, but less about that and more about you. I'm just wondering, as you think about, you know, the future, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? You know, uh, Ripple. Like I always use this word ripple, uh, you know, Grateful Dead, you know, wrote a song called Ripple. And yeah. uh, I love the word ripple because it starts small and then it just continues to expand out. And the way energy works is even when you can't see it, it just keeps on going. You know, my legacy, I hope, you know, I, I even hate saying that term, my legacy. It sounds ridiculous. Uh, I think what I bring to the world is, you know, that I hope to bring to the world is, is like I extended ripple, like positive ripple throughout a lot of people's lives. Uh, I really enjoy that. And so I like engaging people uh, and I like extending Ripple both by creating prosperity for folks, 
through career development and you know business yeah but also through friendship and engagement and love and you know uh all that good stuff so uh if i could use one word it would be ripple the beauty of that image right of the cascading rings that come out that's right hopefully our, our conversation today has some of that lasting effect i hope so i uh appreciate you coming on and taking some time uh, to speak with us today absolutely thank you Wolf. And I want to thank, as always, Amy Hager, making the magic happen for us and for Association Rockstars, and of course, for everyone tuning in. I hope that, as always, that you feel inspired in your own leadership journeys by these Rockstar conversations. Please feel free to post questions or ideas in the comments. We continue to build success together. Until next time, Association Rockstar.